0: Good morning, everyone. Four of you are having a good morning. That's awesome. (laughs) All right, let me get all situated here. Hopefully, you've had a wonderful week, Uh, just had some good reports come in all through the week of just the way the Lord Uh, began to move in different situations people were needing prayer for Uh, that's always encouraging and uh, one of these days we'll just have to have a big testimony service y'all been around in church long enough y'all some of y'all y'all remember testimony services you remember that where uh, all of a sudden you'd have somebody stand up and just start talking about what the Lord did for them but you always have to be careful because somebody stands up and starts moaning and groaning about life it's like what in the world this is supposed to be a testimony service and there, you know it turns into a major prayer request service so uh, who knows? One of these days we may have to do that just to allow allow some of y'all just to get up and talk about what God's been doing in your life and how he's been impacting you. Uh, last week we chatted about how corporately our worship uh, and us glorifying God together can actually in the spirit begin to move all throughout our community and the greater community and, and, and even not only impact here locally but impact all across the world. So us coming together and worshiping him and glorifying him and singing praises to him isn't just something we do just for the sake of, hey, we had church on Sunday morning. Isn't that wonderful? But we're actually producing something. We're producing glory or an atmosphere that the Lord chooses to begin to move and and we can send it and we can uh, just allow God to penetrate all throughout this neighborhood. And so this week, we're going to talk about the impact we can have individually, Uh, just you know. You know, we don't come to church, we are the church. We talked about that last week. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so no matter where, wherever you go, there's church. Uh, it's not a matter of a mindset of, hey, let me try to invite you to church because that way you can meet Jesus. It's no, hey, I'm here, I have brought church to you. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Uh, that's more of our mindset that we need to have uh, in living for him. So today we're going to talk about individually how we can impact uh, our world, our personal world, whatever that world consists of, you, your family, your neighbors, uh, your workmates, your classmates, uh, your extended family. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about the butterfly effect a little bit today. Uh, this, this service probably carries, this sermon probably carries a little bit more weight on it given the uh, events of this past week. Uh, most of you will know that we, we actually had someone take their life here on the Viridian campus last week. Uh, just Sunday morning, uh, down by the down by the bridge, and there's a lot of hurting people. Uh, the his his family uh, was not here locally. They they're in the process of coming in, and some of them have made it in. Uh, but but he had uh, quite a few friends within the neighborhood, and uh, they're impacted as well. And so it's just a stark reminder: we don't know what people are carrying with them, what kind of hurts, what kind of wounds, what kind of baggages. Uh, what kind of helplessness they may feel. And so it's always important to just be open in the spirit, to, to listen to people. And without judgment, uh, without, uh, without preconceived notions, but just truly listen. The, the more we listen, the better we can understand. Uh, the better we understand, the better we do. And uh, so, so it's important for us to catch the importance of the butterfly effect. And we're going to talk about that this week. Um, We're going to read today from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Huh. So we're transformed by how much we attend church? No. We're transformed by how many scriptures we've memorized? No. we're We're transformed by how loud we worship, right? No. No. But we're transformed by... Renewing our mind, thinking a new way, allowing God to help us see things from different perspectives and, and understanding things in a new way. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. That's, that's, that's the key for transformation. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are being made new. That's the wonderful thing about living for God is if you don't like the way you are right now, well, guess what? He's still working on you. He is in the process of transforming you. And there's this incredible power within transformation, and it's this. It almost likens itself to the caterpillar who cocoons himself up and then emerges as a butterfly. The butterfly can't ever, ever, ever go back and become a caterpillar again. You think about it? When God begins to transform you, you really can never go back and be the way you once were. Now, I've seen people walk away from the Lord and go back to a lifestyle maybe that they once practiced that God had delivered them from, but it's not the same for them anymore. They're not getting quite the satisfaction. They're not getting quite the joy. There's something about when you encounter the changing power of the Holy Spirit that begins to transform you from the inside out. You, you don't go back. You just, it's the, it opens up a whole new world for you. Just like a butterfly. A butterfly can never go back and be a caterpillar. So, each and every one of you are so extremely powerful today. I wish some of you would understand just how much power you have in the Lord. What kind of power do you have? I'll tell you what your superpower is today. You have the superpower of a butterfly. Some some of y'all aren't too excited. You're like, how? Butterflies are really powerful, scientifically proven. Not only in theory, but in a scientific law, it is proven butterflies are quite powerful. Okay, Uh, this guy right here, Edward Lorenz. Edward Lorenz in 1963, Edward Lorenz presented a hypothesis to the New York Academy of Science, and he proposed that a butterfly could flap its wings and move molecules, which would then in turn move more molecules, which would then in turn move more molecules, and even more molecules, and even more molecules, and keep creating this wave of molecular motion that would result on a hurricane being formed across the world. Now, he was laughed out of the whole convention, except for the fact that there were several nerds that were hanging out listening and were fascinated and so they coined this theory, the butterfly effect, and it was kept alive for many, many years through sci- sci-fi movies and Comic-Con conventions and uh, bad Ashton Kutcher movies, all that type stuff, right? And, and uh, until 30 years later, 30 years later in 1993, scientists and physics professors from all over the world actually verified and validated this theory. And the theory was actually accorded a law. So there is a law that states that butterflies can move, their, flap their wings and move molecules, which move more molecules, which move more molecules. They could have so much impact that it can cause a hurricane on the other side of the planet. And it's called the law of sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. That's what kind of power you have. What's your superpower? Well, my superpower is the law of sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. How about that? Or the butterfly effect. What do you mean? You mean I can flap my wings? Well, we see it happen every single day, and it's happened. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the hidden things of God are made known by that which we can see. So all this did was the science community actually took something that you could see to prove something that God already does spiritually with every single one of us. So let me give you an example, okay? We're going we're to take a little journey on this example. Norman Borlo, has anyone ever heard of the name Norman Borlo? He was actually a local guy. He, he was, uh, lived here in Dallas, and he passed away in 2009. Anyone remember any information about his passing away? Not really. He really deserved a ticker tape parade when he passed away. He probably deserved a big uh, uh, national parade um, a national celebration and funeral because he actually won the Nobel Prize and Presidential Medal of Freedom because he is responsible for saving the lives of two billion people. That man right there saved the lives of two billion people and every year it grows. That number just increases. That, to me, would be worthy of a Nobel Prize and the National Medal of Freedom and a major... Statewide funeral and celebration of this life. Well, what did he do? He actually, back in the 1940s, he developed hybridized high yield corn and wheat that could grow in arid climates. So, all these nations that are prone for seasons of drought where there would be famine and starvation, you could now plant corn and wheat that would not only yield, they would yield high amounts and that they could sustain heat and low moisture. So corn and wheat could be grown all over the world, even in arid climates now. And because of that, through the years, they estimate 2 billion people were saved from starvation. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty phenomenal. And pretty worthy of a Nobel Prize. Or should we give that prize... To Henry Wallace, anyone ever heard of Henry Wallace? He actually served vice president, as vice president of the United States from 1941 to 1945 under uh, Roosevelt. Someone said, well, I thought Truman was. No, Truman, you remember Roosevelt served four terms. That was before they slapped the two-term limits on uh, the president. So he served four terms. Well, his last, uh, Truman was his last VP, but through most of his presidency, uh, it was or at least for one term, it was Henry Wallace, and Henry Wallace actually served of uh, at, before he was Vice President of the United States, he served as Secretary of Agriculture. So Tyrone, maybe you heard of him, you worked for the, the Department of Agriculture. So Henry Wallace served as Secretary of Agriculture, and he used his influence in agriculture when he became Vice President of the United States to create a station down in Mexico for the express purpose of inventing and developing high-yield hybridized corn and wheat that could grow in arid climates. And he took a chance on a young guy coming out of college to head that project up and to develop it. And that guy happened to be none other than Norman Borlow So if it weren't for Henry Wallace... Vice President of the United States who still had a passion for agriculture that would see to it that he could create a station in Mexico to develop corn and wheat that could grow and feed billions of people and took a little gamble on a young guy. We wouldn't have 2 billion people alive today. So maybe that prize should actually go to Henry Wallace. Or maybe, maybe the great George Washington Carver, one of my favorite Americans, could actually be the the winner of that Nobel Prize and that Medal of, uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom. George Washington Carver, you guys know, who? what's he most famous for, everyone thinks of when, when they see his name? Peanut Butter, that man. Single handedly sustained my life for the first four years of Dave's life, man. I was a peanut butter maniac. Love peanut butter. And I, we got to figure out who invented chocolate because whoever married chocolate with George Washington Carver, peanut butter and chocolate, man, two great tastes that taste great together. Man, that's some good stuff. George Washington Carver, we still use 266 of his peanut based developments. We still use 88 of his inventions based on the sweet potato. The man was a genius when it came to inventing things and finding incredible uses for the things that grow grew out of the ground. When he was 19 years of age, he was actually an ag student in uh, Iowa State University. And his dairy science professor uh, struck up an incredible friendship with him. And uh, matter of fact, it was such a good friendship that he would have George Washington Carver come over and babysit his son so him and his wife could go have dates. Now, you have to understand, this was only probably about two decades removed from slavery, so that was a big no-no taboo among society then. You know, you were not to have a 19-year-old black man come babysit your six-year-old son. And so they wouldn't call it babysitting. They said, no, 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 it's, it's botanical expeditions. He's educating my son. So George Washington Carver would take this little boy on botanical expeditions. And during, the, during those times that he was babysitting him, he would, he would express all the incredible things that you could do with everything that God put into the ground and how God put nature here for us to use to benefit mankind. If all we had to do is just begin to study it. And he began to put a love into the six-year-old boy for all things agriculture and yet, George Washington Carver probably had no clue that six-year-old Henry Wallace would one day become Secretary of Agriculture, go on to become Vice President of the United States of America, use his agricultural influence to create a station in Mexico for the express purpose of creating hybridized corn to feed billions of people, and put a man named Norman Borlow in charge of it to invent and find a way of making it happen. So maybe, maybe... That Nobel Prize should go to George Washington Carver. Could we give him credit for it? Let's take one more step back. Let's go to this man, Farmer Moses and Susan. Probably not the best picture in the world for them. Looks like they were having a rough day. God bless them. What's that that my grandma used to say? Bless their heart. That was never a compliment when she would say that. Y'all realize that if grandma ever said, look to somebody and said, oh, bless his heart. She was basically saying the man was ugly. So don't trust, don't trust grandmas when they say bless your heart. I'm just saying that. Farmer Moses and his wife Susan. Uh, Moses was actually a German immigrant and he was a farmer in Missouri. And he was an anti-slavery farmer. And there was there was a growing trend of farmers who were anti-slavery, and what he would do, he would actually buy slaves, and tell them, "Look, when you come onto my property, you are free. And if you will, if you'll help me farm my ranch, then then I'll I'll let you make a living. We'll we'll put you up on it. You know, we got houses. We'll help you make a living. Help you try to start establishing a life. So as long as you're on my as long as you're on my property, you're you're free people." Uh, This was not very popular amongst other farmers who were pro-slavery, and so they would create terrorist groups that would go raid the farms of the anti-slavery farmers. And so uh, Quantrill raiders, those of you who are history buffs, you all remember Quantrill's raiders uh, that would go in and terrorize some of these farmers. And sure enough, there was a cold January day. Quantrill's raiders in the wee hours of the mornings came and and, uh, attacked farmer Moses and his wife Susan's farm and burnt down barns, just tore up fields, stole cattle, stole just about all the horses, um, uh, killed several people, and drug off several people, one of which was a, a woman named Martha uh, who had been a slave that, that Moses had bought and freed. Uh, Martha, her daughter, and her newborn son, and, and drug them off, kidnapped them. Uh, she happened to be a very close friend of Susan. And so Susan was just terrified by this and, and she began to ask around. She spent the next several days uh, r- riding all over the countryside pleading to see if anyone had seen them or if anyone had any any inkling of where Martha and her children may have been drug off to. And finally, word came back that some of the guys on, in Quantrill's Raiders were willing to meet with Moses. He was to bring a horse. And so... Early in the morning, on a cold January morning, he headed out to ride miles and miles to the meeting point, and they all showed up with, uh, with hooded faces, and all they had was a burlap bag, and they tossed on the ground in front of them in exchange for his horse, and they rode off. So it was him and this burlap bag. He picked it up, and it was Martha's newborn baby, and uh, he knew then that. Uh, Martha and her daughter were for sure killed. And so he wrapped this child up in his coat and, and walked miles and miles through the cold all the way back, made it back home late that night. And while he and Martha were warming this child, they made a vow to each other that they would raise Martha Washington's young boy, George, as their own son, and even... Give him their name. So farmer Moses Carver and his wife Susan raised George Washington Carver and did everything they could to make sure he got an education and he could pursue a career. So farmer Moses and Susan Carver took a chance and broke all social taboos to raise George Washington Carver who would have an influence over Henry Wallace to instill a love for all things agriculture, Henry Wallace would go on to become vice president of the United States and assign Norman Borlo the task of creating high-yield hybridized corn that would then go on to save the lives of 2 billion people. So maybe farmer Moses Carver and his wife Susan deserve the Nobel Prize. Maybe they need the presidential honor of freedom. That's how life works. It's the butterfly effect. Every action you do has an incredible impact and reaction on the world you live in. I don't care if it's a simple smile to the person that you're paying gas to at the gas station. I don't care if it's just an extra tip that you leave to the waitress that's worked hard to raise her kids and she's been working hard to pour coffee for you. I don't care if it's just a, just a casual, you got leftovers, you, you wound up making a meal, you got leftovers, pack it up and take it to your neighbor and just bless them with it. Whatever whatever it is, you have no clue what kind of reverberation your actions and what God will do with those actions Say, it's just a little action, but God can take a little something and make a lot of something out of it. There was a, one time, there was, the Bible talks about a young boy, all he had was two fishes and a loaf of bread. and God and, and Jesus took that and fed a multitude with it because he was willing just to give what little he had. If we can give just what little love we can conjure up, what kind of impact can it have on our world? One of the most incredible examples that I actually got to see with my own eyes, and the Lord spotlighted it for me, was this. Uh, 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 we had just come through a season in my family where we lost a lot of loved ones. Within three and a half years, we lost my dad, uh, my 45-year-old brother, and then my mother. And my mother, if, if you knew my mother, and my wife will vouch that, my mother was, the, was called to be a mama. You know, we got a lot of wonderful women who take wonderful care of their kids, but then there are those, womens that you know, those women that you know are just mamas. You know what I mean? When she, she became a grandmother, she was more than just a grandmother. She was a mama, right? She was just a nurturer. Uh, she adored all of her grandkids. Uh, she was Sophia's primary childcare for the first uh, however many years of her life. She, she had nanny daycare, right? <laughs> she called her nanny. She had nanny daycare, um, and so when my mom passed, now I watched. I watched Sophia deal with my dad's passing and my brother's passing, but when my mom passed, uh, and Sophia's young life, she was, uh, I believe, eight years old, and and it impacted Sophia. I just I watched Sophia, who was usually full of life, just laughing a lot, just just for weeks she was, she was grieving. And there wasn't a thing I could do about it. And it was eating me up inside. Not only was I dealing with my own loss from my own mother, but I'm watching how it impacted my daughter. And somehow word had gotten out, and and this had taken place over the summer when my mom passed, and we were actually about to start the next school year. and She was about to start the fourth grade at the time. Her her previous teachers, two of her previous teachers uh, from her third grade year, uh, somehow caught wind of this. And unbeknownst to either one of them, they just kind of felt led to pick up a card and send it to Sophie. Now, I had been receiving tons of sympathy cards and beautiful letters, and but nobody had reached out personally to, say, my children or, or whatnot. And, and usually we don't. We usually just kind of address these cards to, to the adults of the family and just expect them to, you know, distribute the condolences appropriately. But, uh... We went out to the mailbox, and on the same day, we wound up with two cards addressed to Sophia. And they had taken the time to write just a personal note uh, and, and relate stories of, about when they lost their grandmother, when they lost their mom. And it was really, really sweet and just with a lot of love that they took the time to do this. Now, Sophia had already come through their class. She had already moved on, uh, was heading on to fourth grade. Uh, they didn't have to do this. They were busy trying to prepare for the next year, yet they took the time to do this. I watched Sophie, after reading those cards, all of a sudden she stood up a little straighter. All of a sudden there were some less tears coming down her face. Within a matter of a day, she's smiling again. She's breathing again. Say, well, what was this? It was a perfect example of the butterfly effect because you have two teachers unbeknownst to each other, probably at Walmart or Target or wherever, and just thought, oh, hey, I'm here. I'm a, let me grab a card real quick. Take a few seconds, look over a card, find the one that they want, write a quick note, drop it in the mail. Well, what was that? That was just a, a fluttering of butterfly wings. Nothing major. Yet it moved enough molecules, enough molecules, more molecules, that by the time it landed in my mailbox, it's an ocean wave of love that was able to cover Sophia and actually breathe life back into my daughter. That's pretty powerful. Something that was so simple that probably just took a few moments to do and then, and then for almost probably forget about and get right back into the, the grind of trying to prepare for a new school year could have such a, you know, awesome, grand effect on the outside of it. What words can we speak today that by the time it travels through somebody else's mind and into their heart could breathe life? What gesture of love could we have? We got a whole neighborhood that's full of hurting people. This last Sunday proved it. Someone was hurting so bad and felt so helpless that they would take their own life. Well, that breaks my heart. Tears me up inside. Man, I, I, would, I, would, I would hope that if anyone, if anyone is hurting in this neighborhood, that the Lord would lead them to us so we could just love on them. Say, well, I don't know what I could do. Just flap your wings because God can take just that simple flattering, flattering of wings and create a hurricane of love by the time it reaches their world. That's the butterfly effect. That's your superpower, that God can take something simple that you have and make it so dynamic and so impactful for someone else's life. Lord, help us to be butterflies this week. Help us, help us to change someone's life, to introduce Jesus to him, to be a pure reflection of the love of God with no condition, no judgment, no preconceived notion, just love humanity. Who is it that's welcome at the foot of the cross? Everybody. What's the prerequisite to being able to worship God? The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise you, the Lord. Are you breathing today? Say, well, you don't know what I've done, Well, I've lived a rough life. I don't know if God. Are you breathing? Yeah? Well, then you are qualified to worship God. It's that simple. You don't have to get washed up to take a shower, do you? You just jump in the shower with all the grime on you, all the grease on you, all the dirt on you. That's what the love of God is. Come as you are. Lord, help us to love people the way that Jesus loves them. Let's all stand. Father, you are absolutely incredible. And your love for the world is perfect. Teach us to emulate that love. Teach us to celebrate you. Teach us to impact someone with what we've got. Because you can take a little bit and you can make a hurricane out of it. To change someone's life forever. Anoint us to do your job and to fulfill the great commission to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone we come in contact with. We just glorify you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.